We're continuing our series of Life on Mission. We're asking the question, what is my life mission? And then, really, am I on mission? What is my life mission? And am I on mission? And as we've been going through this, we've been trying to refresh in our minds what God is seeking to do through us. We see what he's doing in particular ministries like camp and other things that are going on and some great ministries that you're going to be seeing in Robertson Hall. But God has a ministry and a mission for you. And he's given each of us a season. And, and Jesus speaks of being about the Father's work while it is still day. While there's still opportunity. Because night is coming when no man can work, Jesus says. So we need to be on task while we have the opportunity. And we want to keep on that task. And we want to keep on that opportunity. Something interesting I came across. Uh, is anyone here familiar with Penn and Teller? Three, four, a few of you. For those of you who don't know them, Penn and Teller are a couple of illusionists. They're, they're fairly talented, and they have a program, and you can pick it up on YouTube. And uh, essentially, they invite up-and-coming illusionists to try and fool them with their illusions. And uh, if they can figure it out, that's great. If they can't figure it out, they give them a trophy for being really good at what they're doing. The gentleman with the goatee, on my right, your left, his name is Penn Gillette. He's an avowed atheist. But he was speaking candidly after one of his uh, performances about an individual who came up, actually a Gideon, I believe, who came up and gave him a Bible. So here's this important presenter, entertainer, and after his performance in front of this huge crowd, a guy comes up and gives him a Bible. Now, this fellow's an atheist. How do you suppose he'd respond? Well, he told us how he was going to respond here. talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position, after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And, um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, had the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said... Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about you know 
honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New just part of the New Testament. A little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it that I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. I mean, he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. <laughs> now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Doesn't it make you think when an atheist tells us what our business ought to be as believers. If we really believe what we say we believe, then why aren't we sharing it? I, I, I thought that he's just 
after a show in his dressing room, commenting to himself, making mental notes, and posted it up on YouTube, and he, he said it all, really, didn't he? We can pray that God will work in that man's heart. He didn't even really know what a Bible was. <laughs> he was struggling. Was this a New Testament? It had Psalms in it. Could it be a New Testament? Well, it can't be a New Testament if it has Psalms. You know, he was struggling. We live in a day when people are biblically and theologically illiterate. And anything that you can share about Christ is going to be a help. We've been talking about our mission for Christ. And your mission and my mission is to be an ambassador to represent the kingdom of heaven to this world around us. Our mission is to connect with people that other people don't see, people who fall through the cracks, people who are ignored by society. God wants us to see the people who are hurting in this world. And when we see them, to connect with them. And what better way of connecting than serving? And we've been looking at examples of how Jesus did all of these things. He didn't come as an ambassador of heaven. He came as the king of heaven. He came as the king and lived among us. He sends us out as his ambassadors. And today we want to talk a little bit about our mission to share the good news of the gospel of Christ. Now, whenever we start talking about sharing the good news of Christ, we have all these kinds of fences and defenses and, and fears and trepidations that seem to rise to the service, surface. And as soon as I start talking about witnessing, most of you begin to sort of sit in your seats and you cross your legs and you're, you get that closed body position that says, oh no. How much more is this going to be? But Christ has given us the opportunity to share. Today's not forgetting verse for this week is found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Can we say that together? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Now, the verse says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Now, in some translations it says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your life. The word sanctify is, is one of those theological words, but really it's not a complicated word. It simply means set apart. Here it's translated revere. Set apart. Make, make it Make a mental note that Christ is Lord and then live that out. Can we see this, that first line together? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. All right, now that's going to be my line. Now, the back group, the overflow, <laughs> the secret saints. <laughs> We're going to let you go first this morning. And you're going to get the next line. We'll all say it together first to, to encourage you. 
Always be prepared to give an answer. That's going to be yours. You guys are going to be next, and your line, yes, is to everyone who asks you. All together, to everyone who asks you, and your portion is going to be to give the reason for the hope you have. All together, to give the reason for the hope that you have. And then we'll bring it all home here with enthusiasm and excitement. But do this with all together. But do this with gentleness and respect. Everything you need to know about being a witness is contained in this verse. Let's give it a try. My part. <laughs> but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Well done. Well done. I love the way that verse ends, though, don't you? And I think that's probably where we've messed up so much in sharing our faith. As I think of the Gospel of John, chapter 9, chapter 9 to me is the perfect illustration of being witnesses. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Jesus noticed someone who most other people would probably walk past. Oh, there's another beggar. Yeah, we've got lots of beggars in town. Let's just ignore him. Keep on going. Jesus saw him. He took note of him. And that's what we're asking you to do is to take note of people that other people are ignoring. See them. Acknowledge them. Rabbi, the disciples asked, why was this man blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And we can speculate why a person is in the situation of life that they're in. That's not our job. Jesus says it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Night is coming. Then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said the issue isn't for us to decide why a person is in their situation. Our assignment is to bring glory to God through this person. What a wonderful opportunity for God to be glorified by our interaction with people that other people don't see. And then Jesus makes this statement, I am the light of the world. Well, we claim to be the witnesses of Christ. We claim to represent the Lord. We claim to be ambassadors for Christ. But are we busy about that business? If being witnesses is our business, are we about the business? The business of camp is to expose children to a Christian environment and to give them opportunity to respond 
to the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. And we're seeing, wouldn't it be exciting if we were here a year from now and we said, guess what? 15% of the people who come through the doors have been accepting Christ. We saw 40 conversions or we saw 40 people come to faith in Christ this past year and, and the year before and the year before that. Can you imagine the excitement in this place? You'd have to sell tickets to get in. <laughs> Be about God's business. While there is still time, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then I love what Jesus does when he makes a statement. He then illustrates it in such a subtle way. <laughs> Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over a blind man's eyes. Not the recommended eye treatment that we hear of today. <laughs> You'd think that would make his eyes worse. But... He then says, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. An incredible, an incredible scene. I guess the man knew how to find, or maybe he had someone who helped him find his way to this pool. But off he went, and Jesus carried on with what he was doing. And this guy's going off. And... As we see the man begin to interact as a result of what Jesus has done, we see a couple of things taking place. One, of course, the man gets healed. That's the most obvious thing. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. He was born blind, now he sees. His neighbors and the others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the, the guy who used to sit and beg? Some said, yeah. Others said, no, nah, he just looks like him. They couldn't believe that this man now had eyesight. They were astonished. Here's the question for you. If you have encountered Jesus at some point in your life, whether it was at camp or whether it was sitting with your mom and dad as they were praying with you before you went to bed, or whether it was in a church service, or whether you were reading a Bible, or, or you went to an evangelistic service, or, or whether you listened to the gospel on the radio, someone shared the good news with you and you believed. Now here's the question. What happened since then? You see, this little handout that I've given you is asking you to reflect on how you came to faith. This blind man, well, we're going to see how he came to faith, but as he shared his story, and being a witness is about sharing your story. It's not about being an evangelist. It's not about knowing how to evangelize the world. It's not about being a, a Christian apologist, which is someone who is very skilled in, in the defense of the faith and can debate the likes of Dawkins and, and others who are, uh, you know, professed atheists or unbelievers or can refute false doctrines. We're not asking you to do any of that. As a witness, you are asked, in a court of law, a witness is asked to say what? The truth about what 
they know. Not what they heard, but what they saw, what they personally experienced. Anyone who's ever watched Judge Judy will know you can't accept hearsay evidence. It's got to be what you said, right? Right. From that laughter, some of you watched Judge Judy. <laughs> so what was, if Jesus were to ask you, who do you say I am? Who would you say Jesus was? I'm asking you to answer for yourself that question. What was your life like before you came to faith in Jesus? What steps of faith have you taken since that time? How has Jesus changed your life? Not your father's life, not your brother's life, but your life. What steps of faith perhaps would you like to take now? We're coming up on Easter. If you've never taken the step of baptism, wouldn't Easter Sunday be a wonderful day to get baptized? Amen. Come and see me. Why do you believe you are a Christian? If you were to be arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> and what passage of scripture has meant a great deal to you, has had an impact on your life. Well, this fellow, an astonishing thing has happened. He now can see. You've all read this before. You, you, you probably can, can quote the passages yourself. The beggar kept saying as people were talking about him, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm the, I'm the one. I'm the one. Well, now they start asking him questions. Who healed you? What happened? Now, note how he answers here. As he is called to be a witness to what happened to him, he says, the man they called Jesus. What is he calling Jesus? The man. What is his theological understanding at this point? Very little. Some guy, by the name of Jesus, made mud, stuck it on my eyes, told me to wash. I went, I washed, and I can see. That's his witness. Is he being an apologist? Is he being an evangelist? No. He's just saying what happened to him. Now they want to get in. They want more details. Always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you a reason for the what? The hope that's in you. Well, this man had a living hope. He had, he had eyes. He, he used to hope. In fact, he probably gave up hope because he was now just a beggar. And no one had ever healed the eyes of a blind man born blind. But now he has a living hope. He can see. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. I can't answer all your questions. I'm not a theologian. I, I don't know all those things. But hey, you know what? Maybe I can find out. Someone asks you questions. You can always say, I don't know. That's a legitimate answer. Just say what you know. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. It was on the Sabbath that Jesus made mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man about it. So he told them. So now the guy's in trouble for getting healed. Go figure. 
You'd think they'd be having a party. You'd think they'd be celebrating. You'd think they'd be excited. But there's Jesus up to mischief again. You know, you'd, from some of these questions, the way they challenged Jesus, you'd almost think that these Pharisees were out there healing people six days a week, and they were upset that on the seventh, when they were taking a rest from healing, Jesus was getting in on the act and, and doing it. And they were... These guys had never healed anyone. The other six days of the week, these guys aren't out there healing blind people or, or even helping people who don't know God. They're enforcing the rules. And they're upset that this guy got healed on, on, the, on the Sabbath. So he told them, again, he gives his Witness, he put mud over my eyes. When I washed it away, I could see. That's his witness. He's just saying what happened to him. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, how could he do? How could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? And there was division among them. Well, it's up to Penn and Teller to have their debates about whether God exists or not. My job isn't going to be to debate with them the existence of God. My job is to simply share a witness. I put my faith in him, and he changed my life. You say he doesn't exist. How very interesting. You say he doesn't exist, and yet he changed my life. There was division among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man, each time he's being questioned, he's sharing his witness, what he knows, what's happened to him. And now as the man shares it, they ask him, what's your opinion about the man who healed you? And the man replied, what? Is there a change in his answer? He's being asked to speculate about the person who did this thing to him, and as he is being required to share his witness, he's now thinking more deeply about the one who did the miracle, and he's gone from saying this man to he must be a prophet. You know there's something amazing that happens as you share your faith story. And we're talking about sharing your faith story. The more you share your story, the more your faith grows. The person listening to you may not change in their attitude. God will be at work in their heart. God's only asking you to share your story. And the more you do it, the more your faith will grow. I think he must be a prophet, he says. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in the parents and they asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If, he's, if that's true, how can he now see? And the parents, they knew about all the hassle going on and they wanted to step back, so they simply said, we know this is our son, that he was born blind, how he can see, we don't know who healed him, we don't ask him. He's old enough, let him speak for himself. Kind of like my parents when I came to faith in Christ. Has this guy gone off the deep end? They couldn't figure out what had happened to me. All I could do is tell them my story. 
They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Anyone in here starts talking about Jesus, you're out of the church. (laughs) Some of you are safe. He's old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this, because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And now the man is going to reply and give his witness whether he is a sinner. I don't know, but I do know this. I was blind, and now I see. You debate the theology. This is what happened to me. No one can deny your experience of Christ. And that's what Jesus is asking you to do. This, when he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, that's what he's asking you to do, is to witness what you have experienced. What did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, I told you. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple? He's getting a little edgy. Then they cursed him and said, you're his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from, meaning we're not sure about his origins. They all assumed he was the Nazarene, but his spiritual pedigree, eh, we're not too sure about that. In fact, we're pretty persuaded he's not of God. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Now he's seeming to be very astute in his answer, and he's just answering in response to his own life experience. Ever since the world began, no one, No one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. Faith growing a little bit more. Faith growing a little bit more. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you going to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? This phrase, Son of Man, comes right out of the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, where it speaks of the Son of Man in heaven, the Messiah. So when Jesus is asking him this question, he's saying, Do you believe in the Messiah, that the Messiah has come? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. He is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Yes, Lord. 
You see how his faith has grown as he has been sharing his witness. As people have challenged him in his witness, he has had to think about what he really believes. And now he's come to the point where he makes a declaration. And it's strange to hear so many people say, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. When he claims to be the Son of Man, he's taken that title. When he says, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah, does Jesus accept that or did he reject it? When the man worshipped Jesus, did Jesus accept that worship or did he reject it? The scriptures say, that he accepted it because whenever you see someone trying to worship a man, when the apostles were performing miracles and people started to want to worship them and make offerings to, to Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas, they said, no, don't do this. We're just ordinary men just like you. And they, 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 they stopped it. And the scriptures were very clear about the rejection of that kind of thing. Jesus accepted the worship. We're asking you to be on mission. We're asking you to share your witness. How do I do it? How do I know when to do it? Well, let's start here. Let's start by setting Christ apart as Lord in our lives. Being sure of what we believe about Jesus. If you're not sure, speak to me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. And then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. What is the answer? The answer is your faith story. Why, are you, why do you go to that church? Well, I go to church because I believe in Jesus. Or maybe you go to church because you have a drug problem. My parents drug me to church. Or, or you may be, and, and, and that's, that's legitimate too. Why do you go to church? Well, my wife makes me go. <laughs> Give them a reason for the hope that you have. And if you have no hope, be prepared to admit it. And seek out the one who gives hope and gives life. But as we give our answers, whatever they may be, let them be with gentleness and respect. Amen? Amen. Amen.